Hey friends, welcome to my podcast, Midlife Plot Twists. I'm your host, Lucy Baber. In this podcast, we explore all of the totally unexpected ways life seems to change as we inch closer to midlife. Most of our episodes are geared toward women in their late 30s to early 50s, and we talk about things like relationships and sudden career changes, making space for new life goals, making peace with the past, and coming to terms with all that weird stuff that happens to our bodies as we get older. I hope you'll finish each episode feeling inspired, informed, and empowered. I'm so excited that you've tuned in, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of Midlife Plot Twists. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Lucy Baber, and you're listening to Midlife Plot Twists. Today I have a guest that I haven't actually met in person yet. Uh, We connected on Facebook within the past couple of years and we've just kind of realized that we're cool with each other and we have some things in common. And um, so Pari Flowers is my guest today. She reached out to me to say that she had a really unique recent plot twist in her life. And so Pari, thank you for coming on the show. And I'm going to give you a chance to introduce yourself and tell us what we're talking about today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Yes, you introduced me as Pari Flowers. I am a now approaching 40-year-old professional, working mom professional uh, with lots of uh, experience in education, a lot of it higher education that I've done. And I'm really excited because, uh, you know, the plot twists in my life have uh, brought me into the cannabis industry. So I do lots of creative consulting things just from the myriad of career things that I've done over, <laughs> I'd say the last 20 years. I'm really, really excited to talk about that. And um, my philosophies about life, um, about the NAP ministry and emergent strategy and uh, diversity and equity and all kinds of stuff. And somehow it all sort of ties into sort of how uh, things have gotten interesting for me uh, during this time. <laughs> Excellent. I am so excited about this. When you reached out, I was like, yes, we need to talk about cannabis, please. <laughs> and and all of these things that you're yeah. you're so passionate about. I mean, like, let's yeah. let's go. So so you're working in you said higher education for years and years, building this career. What what was the last kind of position you were in prior to kind of switching gears? I was a recruiter. So um, every, every position I've been a coordinator. So I've just been coordinating stuff Okay, cool. <laughs> for like the last, for like the last uh, decade or so. Isn't that really like, that's like the story of every woman's life really is like, we're all just coordinating stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're really just yeah. running the world. <laughs> <laughs> we're good at it though we just kind of have to like get you know get people to understand that <laughs> yeah but seriously yeah so I was a recruitment coordinator and um I was a, in a new position and that's like like that's the funny thing like I was always sort of put into these new positions like well nobody's ever done this before but we need you to do this this and this <laughs> Um, so like I, you know, had to sort of create an office of recruitment, um, for the, uh, you know, uh, a school, a art school in Temple that dealt with theater and film and all that different stuff. And so like they had me traveling all over, uh, recruiting people. <laughs> so that was the last thing. And before that, I was a student activities coordinator for another institution. And that just was like booking people managing spaces on campus, you know, overseeing a lot of students, really powerful students too, who, you know, were leaders on campus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride. Maybe this is naive, but to me, that sounds like some really fun work that you were doing. What, did you enjoy it? Like, was that it all, it, you know what, it all gets fun, but as you, you know, I feel like as I got seasoned, as as life began to sort of come on, as I, you know, became a mom, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was less interesting to do one thing. And I also have like this seven year itch thing, like <laughs> this sort of keep happening with, you know, with me and my, you know, professional things. So it's, you know, I think it's a, a little mix of that. It's like, after you do it for a while, like how many, you know, um, 
you know, how many student activities, concerts can you do before you've done all the concerts and it's not fun anymore, right? Yeah. Or, you know, how many recruitment events can you go to in different cities after you've done it for a couple of cycles, right? Each one of those jobs I spent about, you know, five to seven years. So you, yeah. you want to do something else. <laughs> That's completely fair. And I yeah. actually have like, uh, I could go off on crazy tangents. We could just really go all the way in. But um, I have like strong opinions about what you just said, the the seven year itch thing. Um, it's a thing. It's like, it's a thing and people laugh about it, you know, in relationships and stuff, but it's a thing for a lot of people in just cycles of life. I might've actually talked about it already with one of my previous guests, Marty Carmen Farmer, but so my listeners will have to forgive me if I'm talking about this again, (laughs) but, uh, there, there's like research to back up that like our brains do kind of get bored and need to shed some of that old skin every every like basically seven years and so yeah that that really resonates with me and you do kind of feel like sometimes especially if you you sound very similar to me in that uh you don't sit still too long until you're like what's the next thing (laughs) right Right. And you so, know, yeah. and then, yeah. And the other thing about it too, is I, it's not really a joke. I shouldn't joke about it, but I've also hit my head a lot. Okay. <laughs> like I've had like, I've had like a series of accidents that like, I've been like, you know, like car accidents. Oh, wow. Okay. You uh, sent me the other podcast you've been on about right. cars. <laughs> Right. And so I, I tend to think of that too, that that plays into it, that just maybe like, like my whole, <laughs> like my whole brain, like forgets whatever it was that I was doing at that time and I have to okay. do something completely different. So like, that might be the impetus, like this doesn't even feel right anymore. Like I, I've shaken something up and now I need to go do something else. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's happened a fair amount of times. And I think that it, it really, it truly, each time that, you know, I've been in, you know, some sort of fender bender, it's been like this transitional time in my employment life, my regular life, it's been weird. Um, but now, you know, now that I've gotten a hold on my health and my wellness, I'm starting to understand it and sort of get, you know, used to new normals. <laughs> so that, that, that's been the interesting thing about that. That is fascinating. How, okay. So do you have a number? Like how many times have you been in these fender benders? And I've been, I, uh, I haven't lost count. If I sat and thought about it for a second, um, I, I will say that I have, I had my first major accident when I was 16 years old, like I told on the car. Oh, wow. Um, and thankfully walked away from it. Like, like I said, just like hit my head a little bit. Like I didn't really um ever have like a major thing until this last accident that just happened more recently. Okay. Um, I would say, give it, say six. I'll, okay. I'll round it up and say that I've had six accidents, uh, like major, like car accidents since I was 16 years old. Yeah, that's, that's pretty big. Thankfully, you know, most of my injuries are unseen. Like you can't really see, like, I, I don't have like, you know, any kind of physical, you know, showings of what goes on. Usually I'm like hitting my head some sort of way. I, I wear my seat, I wear seat belts always mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that is probably why I've been so fortunate that, uh, you know, I've been through all of that. And, you know, none of this is about drunk driving. I, I'd say, um, one time I, I just fell asleep at the wheel and wow. you know, um, had a really bad accident. I'll put that out there. It's never been like a drunk driving or something, you know, doing something that I, I shouldn't be doing. It's just like, you know, it's just been really unfortunate. Well, I <laughs> mean, like, happening. like, listen, you, first of all, you live in Philly. So, right. so <laughs> right, we right. all know all. Like, what that's about. But also <laughs> like, I mean, like you mentioned briefly, like health issues. I, I know I have been in some rough places mentally where my physical health took a, a, a toil. Is that the right word? (laughs) It impacted my uh, ability to focus while driving. And there, there have been Mm -hmm. some scary moments like that. So physical health should not be underestimated with that. Like if you are not in a space where your body is being taken care of, it right. can really impact your ability to function. So it makes sense. Like, and yeah. hopefully, 
hopefully the next 40 years won't require more uh, no. car incidents to, uh, to keep no, things moving. No, and also like the, the last accident wasn't even a, well, it wasn't actually a car. I was riding an electric scooter. Oh, wow. And it's so crazy because like it just happened to Rihanna recently, like right, oh. she like, bashed her face like because she was yeah. riding one of those electric scooters. Yeah, I got a traumatic brain injury from that. Like, <laughs> and you, like all you lo- got left with was the bragging rights that Rihanna did the same thing. I know. I was like, <laughs> you know, now like we like have like this other thing in common. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, like that. You got to cling to the good stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just, you know, I've just decided that I, I take a really uh, a lot more careful approach. I don't do a lot of driving these days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Then, you know, and that's yeah. like, you know, and then, you know, I'm I'm fortunate that I don't have to, you know, I can walk a lot of the places that I really need to go now in this moment. Sure. And, you know, I was a, a, a real big SEPTA uh, woman. <laughs> yeah. If I wasn't like traveling out of state, right? Like I was always in Ubers and Lyfts and all that kind of stuff. I never really had to do that much driving, I'd say in the last couple of years. And that's been comfy. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. Okay. So you're working in higher ed, you're doing the recruitment stuff. Things are starting to feel, you're starting to feel that itch again. And then yeah. your life kind of keeps tumbling upside down every couple of years with these fender benders. So how, how exactly, like, what was the progression from I am in this space in my life to now I want to go over here and do this totally different thing in a completely different career track. Right. So it was like strategic. (laughs) Like, so, you know, I was doing a lot of traveling and I'll say that I have been consuming, you know, uh, cannabis in some sort of way at some point in time, (laughs) at different times in my life for the last 20 years. Right. And so I'd say the last five of those years, I started to become aware because, you know, the, my, my job took me on a trip to Colorado and I'm talking to an Uber person who tells me about this conference that's going on. And I'm like, okay, I want to see what's going on. Or I get to, you know, an opportunity to go to California and I'm like, well, I got to go see a dispensary and like yeah. do that thing while I'm there. So it, it felt, you know, it, it felt like it was like, you know, just my personal interest, but it really also was really strategic because I, as I got to know and see it made me want to know more information about kind of what was going on, you know, kind of closer to home and, and, and pay more attention to the industry that was developing. So, yeah, I would say yeah, I, I was sort of like, you know, in tandem with uh, the work that I was doing for the last three years, feeling like, you know what, I want to see a lot more about how these people are doing this because I think I could do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And it, it really started off with, you know, me offering my services. I was like, hey you're doing this event. Do you need some help? (laughs) Like I'm a professional event coordinator. I could just like come there and like help you. And it always worked. I mean, I won't say it always worked, but like a a large percentage of the time it worked because, you know, event planners needed help, (laughs) you know, and, you know, totally not, you know, to like rip anybody's ideas or anything, but just to get the feel for like what actually existed. And it was, you know, at the point in time that I was like checking into things, it was, you know, definitely thriving. Like it's just been so crazy what's going on at present because it was really like a booming set of event coordinators and planners and influencers and stuff that were really trying to take, you know, Philly more nationally than, you know, that than, than we, I think we're uh, able to go at this point. I think a lot of people are paying attention to New Jersey right now, but yeah, Philly's got some stuff going on in terms of what's going to happen, hopefully when we're able to get some legislation to help um, legalize. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, oh gosh, I have so many questions now. Um, I, because I feel like cannabis is an industry that a lot of people have had their eye on kind of for mm-hmm. the past couple of years. And everybody, it's like, a it, it, <laughs> forgive the uh, pun, but it, it's like a pipe dream for a lot of people. Like it's, uh, you know, yeah. it's like people are like, oh, I could, I could totally get into that. That's where the right. money is. But like, right, 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 right. But they think they think at the top of stuff, right? Like the big right. stuff, like I want to own a dispensary. Like that's right. the big one. Mm-hmm. So instead you kind of brought your existing skill set to the table mm-hmm. and said, I know that there are needs behind the scenes. Yeah. How can I still get into this without having to reinvent the wheel, without exactly. having to like 
go back to some kind of like formal training or like undo all of this um, advancement I've done in my career. Instead, I'm going to take those skills Mm -hmm. and bring it to the table. And it sounds like that gave you opportunities. How, how did that well, I would say, and that's the main, I would say that's the major thing for cannabis in general. Like everything that you might need in any other kind of business industry, that's what they need in cannabis right now because it's a brand new industry, right? So like top to bottom, there is space for everything. Yeah, and for me, it was just more, most comfortable to say that, uh, well, I like events and I'm good at, you know, you know, helping people to sort of coordinate event stuff. So it just made sense to see if there was people, like, if these people were like, no, we've got it all together, then I would have just bought a ticket and then observed what was happening. Like I had, like I said, I was was totally strategic about it. And that's what I did for some folks too. Like I was like, all right, I'll just buy this ticket or I'll buy a VIP. So I'll see what they are putting in their bag (laughs) and who are they working (laughs) You know, and, and, and like I said, like none of it was to be like, all right, I'm going to do the same thing, but just to kind of get a feel for how, you know, people were moving and making partnerships happen. Cause that's, you know, that's actually like the special sauce to any kind of industry that I feel like people are, are breaking into when it's emerging. Like you need to see how people are, you know, coming together and working together. Sure. So you're, you're not only strategically observing and kind of taking your own mental notes, but you're also networking, I imagine, and mm-hmm. kind of like getting down like the names that you need to keep in mind in the local industry. And, and I also imagine you're keeping an eye on but what you just mentioned, things like legislation and how right. can we keep pushing this forward on a broader scale to like, it's basically your, you need to keep pushing to keep creating new opportunities for yourself within this, this industry. Cause if the industry dies on, you know, if, if the legislation dies, then it doesn't go anywhere. Right. Or, or, or it goes into these places that like, you know, cost a lot more money. Right. Right. <laughs> like you yeah. know, people that are in what they call the legacy market, they've got like a whole lot of other stuff to worry about. That's why when I talk to people now, I'm like, you know, I'm so glad that the last, that last scooter accident happened in 2018 and I'm, you know, didn't want it to happen, but glad it did because it really uh, forced me to think about getting my medical marijuana card. Like, okay. and I was yeah. like, all right, I've got chronic pain. Like I got a traumatic brain injury. These are qualifying conditions. Mm-hmm. And it just gave me a sense of like, you know, security one that I knew what I was getting, but also like that, like that I didn't have to deal with all of that other stuff. Like all of that, like um, what happens if you get arrested for some of this, like this is like, you know, medicine that I'm using for real stuff. So now like it's a different conversation. And I do, I I talk to a lot of people who have gotten um, their cards and they do say that it helps them to say, okay, well, I'm glad, you know, that I, you know, actually did this. Yeah. Uh So it's, it's been, it's been helpful. It's really been helpful that way. Okay. So tell me like, what is your current job? Like what, what do you, what is your title or do you like, what are you doing actively right now that you're like established in the industry? Or do you feel established? <laughs> so I wouldn't call myself, I wouldn't call myself established okay. because there's not a consistent amount of people paying me for it. So okay, I can't that's say fair. that. Yeah. Um, I would say that I'm a creative consultant. Okay. That's the, that, that's the easiest way. Um, I got laid off, you know, as a part of, you know, one of the 30 million people in America right now or more with, right with now. With COVID. <laughs> right with COVID, I got laid off. And so, you know, it's like, all right, well, let me just say that this is what I do. Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean and see you know and see what happens in terms of I don't know like I said there's so much going on uh, that's new about the industry that it's like you you really can't even say oh I'm going to do this one thing I've seen a lot of people who I met you know in a year who like went from you know being influencers or working with you know certain kinds of brands to being like regulators in the industry <laughs> like so okay. it's like it's wild like it really does depend on your skill set like you know that that particular person I'm thinking of like I didn't know that she had uh, a science degree so like of course huh. it made sense <laughs> yeah but, like I didn't know that when I met her and was talking about the book that she produced that she had all of this you know other stuff going on so yeah, it's really great in that, you know, there's all the space. I'd say I'm a creative consultant in that um, I've talked to, to a lot of people um, 
via, you know, my social media channels and stuff about getting cards. Mm -hmm. And I've also talked about tech products that, you know, help people to, you know, better administer their medicine. So like, I've kind of like swerved into this caregiving thing, like in, in, in a service industry, I'd say I'm like in the professional ancillary part of the business of the cannabis industry. I'm not necessarily needing to touch things, but I can tell people about products that help them to better okay. consume. You're, you're really working on more of an individual basis right now. Uh, are you still doing yeah. like the event coordinating as well? I am. And I'm doing a lot of virtual, like, yeah, yeah I'm doing like virtual event support. Mm -hmm. Right. So like that's, that, that seemed like an obvious lane because of what's going on. And so it started off with, you know, me doing a couple of baby showers and then using what I was sort of doing in the cannabis industry to host like a live virtual event. Like it was like a day long event. Um, that we did as a part of Black Cannabis Week. And I was like, hey, I could do this too. So like I've started to, you know, kind of consult a couple of people who are thinking about um, other live virtual things or how they take something that they've been doing for years and putting it, you know, into a, a virtual form that makes sense, right? Right, oh. that people are not so zoomed out. Because yeah. I think that's what's happening. Everybody. Oh gosh, Everybody's yeah, like, are. I just don't, I can't, but you know, like, I mean, it's, it's totally helpful, right? Like, cause what else do we have to get with our family? Yeah. But when you have the time to, you know, sort of plan, um, you can do some other fun things that I yeah. think people are starting to now, um, experiment with. So yeah, the virtual event thing is, uh, also something that I've been trying to get, get some more, uh, consulting time to do. Very cool. Okay. So you're, so you're working as a consultant, helping people mm -hmm. kind of fine tune their health needs really and how yeah. they interact with cannabis. Uh, you're also yes. coordinating some, some virtual events for right now. And hopefully as we open back up again next year, uh, you'll be able to yeah. move that more into the public sphere. Absolutely. That's what I'm looking for. And, and, and not here, you know, not here just locally. Cause that, that's the other really a great unintended consequence of everybody being online is that you can really forge relationships with people from everywhere. Yes. Right. So like, there's a lot of folks that I want to see in Cali when things, you know, get set, yep. you know, folks that I've sort of been, you know, interacting with and, you know, in other places too, you know, um, here between New York and DC and stuff like that. So that, that's what I'm also looking forward to doing. So what are you excited about right now? Like what I, you could like tell me anything and it would like blow my mind. Like what the cannabis industry is like, <laughs> I'm so fascinated by it. And I know so little about it as an industry. Mm -hmm. Like what, what are you, what gets you like going right now? What's happening? What gets me going? Um, I would say I am really interested in the ideas that bring together uh, health and wellness and uh, emergent strategy and <laughs> and it just seems like cannabis is just like this perfect amalgamation of uh, what needs to happen right like so mm -hmm. emergent strategy is like this these basic ideas uh, around like there are bio um, biological things that are happening in nature mm -hmm. that if we you know sort of borrowed uh, from like their organization or their uh, operation that it would impact the way that we solve things or, or, or come to understand some of our things in life like uh, I don't know like transformative justice issues or equity issues or food uh, security issues that if we borrow from these biological principles like fractaling and all these things that it can impact in a positive way our ability to solve the world's issues and the things that need to be, you know, sort of worked out. <laughs> and okay. then there's here, for me, there's cannabis, right? And cannabis is like a plant and it's plant medicine that has gone through this really horrendous history here in the country, right? And, and has done all these sort of negative things, impacted so many different kinds of communities. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now we're on the other side of, you know, me walking into a dispensary as a patient and it being like an Apple store. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can only imagine some of my ancestors who have, you know, sort of gone through this and said, huh, this is interesting. 
<laughs> and like, mm-hmm. I'm so aware of that. And I'm so aware to say, okay, I think the one good thing about emergent strategy is that the first thing is, is that the, the change that you want to see in the world has to begin with you. Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was a lot around removing the stigma of having 20 years of consumption of cannabis. Like that was the first big thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and after I got, after I got past that hurdle and started to be comfortable enough to like kind of do it. I started talking to all these other people that have been working on it. So it's like, yeah, it actually like I'm living in it. The more I get freer about what's going on and how it's helped me. Like, are you kidding me? Like all the things that have been going on in my life for the last 20 years, the accidents, the, you know, being a parent and all the other things that have happened, like I, I've been maintaining things and I can say that cannabis has played a big part in that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's like, if you're looking for, you know, an example of someone who is uh, creative and holding it together and going to all of the parent teacher conferences, you know, and also, you know, vaping on occasion <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> between appointments, like when I need to, that that's what I want to be for folks so that we don't have a whole nother generation that has to get almost to 40 before they feel comfortable saying that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, like that's, that's, that's what I want for us. That's huge. Okay. So, so you said oh, so many things and I want to make sure, <laughs> I, I want to make sure that we don't lose any of it. So, okay. So let me kind of like summarize real quick to make sure yeah. that I, I stayed with you. So emergent okay. strategy, it sounds like you were really kind of getting to this, this idea that like, we do need to look to nature. There are so many solutions to the problems that we've created for ourselves just by getting back to basics. And that is not this, this is not my, I mean, this is not my idea. Oh, sure. Adrienne yeah. Murray Brown is uh, a brilliant, brilliant person and wrote the book Emergent Strategy and now has the second part of it that I need to, <laughs> that I need to read. But yeah, like I've, I've been following her and got a chance to do an immersion with some folks in New York around it. But yeah, that's belongs to her. That's her wheelhouse. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to follow, follow what she's doing. Um, so, so we by getting back to nature and looking for the answers in the universe that have already been provided to yeah. us, and we've just messed up with our own weird ideas. You know that that really led you to realizing, hey, cannabis has been here all along, and this mm-hmm. is a medicine that uh, can lead to better wellness, not only for myself, but for lots and lots of people. And, and it also uh, created this like tension because there is this societal stigma. And so, I mean, I feel like as you were talking, I heard you say like damage that has come out of cannabis, but really what you're saying is damage that has come out of our culture's response to cannabis. Yeah, because like yeah. the war on drugs, like the yeah. war on drugs has been horrific for the, the, you know, for our history in this country. Yeah. But, like, do you, do you want to talk about that? Like where, how did that, what happened? Where did we get off track so badly with that? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I wrote an article about, <laughs> about uh, one one tangent of this and that is that there was all this misinformation that came out and it was based in racism right Mm -hmm. like there was like this visible increase of immigration of folks from Mexico that uh, folks at the time were not comfortable with and so they basically saddled you know Mexican immigrants and also African-American people right um together with this idea of criminality and I don't even know if that's a word but <laughs> but being yeah, a criminal yeah. and giving yeah. and giving giving this drug this horrible thing that'll make people do all this wild stuff that they call reefer madness right <laughs> so that misinformation campaign is how people begin to create legislation because the same people who uh, were watching that kind of stuff were also like using that to make, you know, because they didn't have those kinds of friends. They didn't have Mexican and Black friends. So Mm -hmm. this was, you know, you know, their, um, their eyes to what they needed to be doing 
to protect uh, the good nature of culture at the time, right? But, so yeah, yeah. that's kind of where it started. There's, a, you know, of course, there's a lot uh, that goes on, but that uh, that's where things I think started for uh, us in this country. And so then, you know, all these other things that you know are happening, you know, around civil rights and how we start to think about drugs in our communities, right, mm-hmm. and where they're coming from and all that kind of stuff. It's complicated stuff. Um, happen, but it, for whatever reason, like cannabis was always like, even though there was all this other hard stuff around, cannabis was the thing that people were getting slammed for and put in and put in jail wholesale. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, it you know shattered communities, shattered generations of communities uh, because yeah. of the way that it was handled. I mean, really, it sounds like just from a historical perspective, there's there's always been that room of powerful white men who are like, how are we going to maintain our power? And right. the the way that they more often than not do that is to make somebody else look like the bad guy. And, and, you know, then build systems around supporting Mm -hmm. the fact that that other guy is the bad guy, you know, well, I I made this law that they're not allowed to do this and they're still doing this. So obviously that's like, they're the criminals. And so, yeah, I mean, what you, what you said makes a lot of sense. And now what, what, where did the shift kind of start to come from since then? How, how have we moved beyond that besides just a lot of people kept doing it and realized it's actually not ruining lives at all. <laughs> yeah, I think, I do think there was a critical mass, right, of uh, folks that weren't people of color that started uh, taking a very large interest in the kind of uh, money that could be made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Like, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't really know any other way to say it. I think that I think that is a real big reason why, you know, what happened in the West Coast happened. I mean, they're on their, I don't know, third or fourth wave, I would say, of a cannabis industry out there. Wow. <laughs> and they're going, they're still going through equity issues, right? Like, that's the big thing that now is like a talking point. Like, yes, you have, yes, we have this industry, but how much of this industry is representative of the kind of people that have been largely impacted by the war on drugs, right? <laughs> like literally, like how, like, can we quantify this now? And if we aren't able to quantify this, then we need to get to the point of quantifying it. Because when we quantify it, we see that there's less than 5% of us in this industry. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? And so, you know, that needs to change because there's a lot of money being made in the cannabis industry right now. And that's all cool, but can we, one, get all the people out of jail who went to jail for cannabis? Mm -hmm. And then two, can we make sure that, you know, all of the other people, all the other parts of the generation that didn't go to jail, that were impacted by the industry, you know, by, by, by all of this are now a part of the industry if they'd like to be, you know? So and if they're you, making some equitable arrangements around making sure that's happening. That's what's going on in New Jersey right now. Like, it's okay. like, we need to write this in or it won't happen. So does it feel like there's room at the table or are you still like kind of bumping elbows and fighting your way in? I mean, so, so the biggest thing, right, is like a lot of the operations of cannabis, they call it vertical integration, meaning, meaning like from the seed to when you get to the retail store, all of that has to be handled by the same person or the same entity. Okay. And that's expensive, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of the equity conversations are around there being like micro business um, licenses, like for delivery or security or, you know, all these other things. Mm-hmm. So I'm hopeful that we can start to get people to have conversations around that because even those, those kind of conversations is going to make it a lot more uh, open for anybody to get in the industry. But of course, like that, you know, folks that have been marginal, most marginalized and impacted by, you know, um, the ne- negative, negative stuff that happened around cannabis, that they'd have an opportunity to get in without having to 
I mean, cause that's the thing. Like if you have to have a whole seed to sale operation, you're talking about millions of dollars. Right. And a lot of folks don't have that. So that means they're out of it. Well, who does have that? <laughs> right Now you're sort of like recreating, you know, um, something that I don't think that really, if we're really honest about the way that we would like to see the cannabis industry, we don't want that. We don't want it to look like big tobacco. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we don't want it to like no nobody who really is truly into cannabis wants to see that happen. I think we we believe and we operate in a way that we should be able to be a lot more equitable. It's just that we have to write it in because because mm-hmm. otherwise there's no accountability. That's, that's what we find. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. very fair. I had no idea. And I mean, everything you're saying makes so much sense. I mean, it it's that I guess. As a as a lay person, somebody who does not really have direct access to the industry, I I guess I imagined that the primary obstacle to getting into it would be more like some kind. I don't know. I, this is maybe it sounds ridiculous. I was thinking it was more like training or like uh mm-hmm. like uh, some kind of professional uh certification system or something. Yeah. But it, instead, it sounds like it really is just if you can fund yourself to get up off the ground, then you can do it. And if you can't yeah, and fund it's a it, little bit, it's a little it. bit of what you're saying too, right? Because it's like you have, yeah, but if you are going to run the entire operation, well, then you have to have professionals that can do everything from right. the farming to the processing to the, you know, whatever the delivery on through. And so, yeah, you definitely do have to have a whole lot of training. Somebody has to have a whole lot of training to help you to run things at that level. But some of these other things, right? Like if we were able to get, you know, some consideration for home growing, then Mm -hmm. that's not, that's just the patient being able to, you know, um, you know, take care of their self or care give or do some other things, you know, and it happens in other states too. That's the other thing, like these kind of things that I'm talking about are not pie in the sky. It's like, well, this state sort of saw the utility in this. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we should start thinking about it too. Like this is happening in Maine. It's happening in Massachusetts. Uh, it's happening in St. Louis, like where they have like uh, more uh, of an open-minded industry and places for different kinds of uh, folks to gain entry. Yeah, I, yeah. So there are existing models that are doing it well. So yeah. who's who's currently standing in the way of this equitable piece? That's hard to say. I mean, uh, to, to go back, and I don't like. I'm not like the all all-knowing person. Like I I keep up with the news and stuff, but I would say. Mm-hmm. Here in Pennsylvania right now, like a a lot of the talk is around um, just getting the legislation to a comfortable place that people can agree on, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's been some legislation that's been put forth. Sharif Street has uh, put through some some legislation and there's been uh, some other people that have participated in that process. But then we heard like Governor Wolf say like, like, let's go, let's, let's do it. And the rush, is uh, usually triggering to a lot of uh, the people who have been working in the industry for, yeah, I wouldn't say like a long time, but maybe like the last two or three years to say, okay, if you rush it now, then we're not going to have this equity conversation because it's like, Ah. you know, like uh, I think, you know, Governor Wolf uh, was talking about selling cannabis out of state stores. Huh. And I was like, I'm totally uncomfortable with that. Yeah, <laughs> like not, you know, not not for any other reason is it like really like I, usually I know at like hot times like going to a state store is like super busy like you got like all this expensive medicine now like yeah it, it just doesn't make any sense right like I just I just couldn't see how that you know would make sense to like kind of what was going on here in my part of Pennsylvania maybe like in other parts of Pennsylvania that makes sense but it didn't make sense like in Philly yeah so that that's a part of it too right. Like there's, there are a lot of aspects of what other states and municipalities are doing, right? But I won't say that anybody's got it all together. 
Mm -hmm. And so that is a part of the conversation too. Like, well, can we, can we learn from the good stuff, but can we also learn from the bad stuff? Like the stuff that they didn't do right. Can we like not do that too? Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, And so, you know, around, you know, the, these ideas of sort of how, you know, we make the industry more inclusive. There are a lot of examples of what we don't want to do. Like, we don't want to say like, for instance, somewhere like Chicago, like it's like, they had a requirement that there be like a person of color to kind of get these uh, extra social equity points or, you know, racial equity points or whatever, Mm -hmm. like you got points for being a person of color. And so what it created was corporations that were actually run by people that weren't of color, but they would find somebody, (laughs) (laughs) right. That was of color to say, here's the person that's running it. And it it, it just didn't work (laughs) because they were just putting, they were just placing too much emphasis. Right. I think, yeah. So it's like, those are the kind of things, right. As we continue to keep learning, you know, how, to not do things, we can kind of get things a little bit better. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think the original question, what was the original question? What was I hopeful about? <laughs> I don't even remember. I don't even, I, you took me on a journey and I am all I in. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that part of it, like just that we can have that conversation does make me hopeful too, right? Like we really can get this right. Like we, yeah. you know, a, a lot of times, you know, when I'm having I chats with people about, you know, what I'm learning about the industry. They're like, oh, all this makes total sense. I'm like, yeah, but the people that make the decisions about the laws, they, they, they don't, they don't believe these things make sense. So it's well, like that, that, it's, that's a, a culture shift is maybe what is necessary for more people, you know, to, to get on the, the, the same vibe and be like, no, really, we should, we should do this. We should make this happen. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like I, like, let me be clear, I have supported so many things that Governor Wolf has done and said, yeah. but at the end of the day, he is a older white male and probably has a lot of other older white men in his ear, just seeing dollar signs. And Absolutely. That is what, exactly what's happening. And yeah. it, I get it. <laughs> yeah. There is a lot of money to be made, but let us, let us not forget, (laughs) you know, let's not forget that really important thing about, you know, making sure that, you know, that what we, what we're saying is true, which is now this is no longer criminal. If it's no longer criminal, then the criminals in jail, they need to be out of jail because they're no longer criminals because this is, this plant is no longer a criminal thing. And not (laughs) only they need to be out of jail, but would there need to be reparations made and and yeah really like structures set and set up so that we don't find other like it, what I hear you saying that you haven't said yet is like mm-hmm. there's always somebody in the room who's going to find the loophole so right. we need to make this like rock solid so that the yeah. people who are looking for the loopholes have a harder time finding it because yeah. it's the loopholes that got us into trouble in the first place yeah yeah. And I mean, you know, we, we see these things happen. Yeah. I, I told you I'm from education. And so observing <laughs> what's been happening in, you know, different circles of, you know, how educational things have happened yes. with schools and how we are making decisions and all this kind of stuff, like these things happen, like money tends to lead a discussion. And then people are like, oh no, wait, that's where the money is. Okay. Well we do this. Like that right. happened in the nonprofit world too. Right. Like I'm a, I also do grant writing. I don't do it right now, but I know how. <laughs> and, you know, when I was dealing with a lot of nonprofits, like that, the grant writing thing, it was this dance to be like, okay, well, what are they funding right now? Because then we need a program that's like what they're funding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right? It, yeah. yeah, it, it yeah, is. We don't, we don't need that though. We don't need to operate that way because it's tiresome. And that's why like things burn out like that's why people burn out and that's why you know institutions burn out because if you're doing too much of that like tap dancing and and performative bullshit (laughs) yeah you can't do the real work and like really like uh, we started the conversation before we hit record talking about like the nap ministry um and the idea of like rest as like almost like an act of protest really um to the grind culture that's going on right now but Mm -hmm. like what a ridiculous way to try to like meet the cannabis industry with like capitalism hitting hard <laughs> like no that's not what we're doing we are like who do you think no, you're talking no, to know your target audience no, we're not doing this. <laughs> so 
tell me a little bit about, and I mean, I get it, you know, Yeah. Mm -hmm. tell me about that. Like, tell me where, where you've been as far as like, cause we, like I said, we kind of touched on it before we hit record, but like, tell me your philosophy around like the, the importance of rest and the importance of like wellness. Cause I, I even just saying the word wellness over like physical fitness or whatever is like a whole shift, a, a, a whole shift in thinking from what is kind of mainstream. Right. I, uh, for me now, I I don't want anybody (laughs) to have to, to have to, right. uh, Put their body to rest the way that I have to, like, Mm. because of the things that have happened with my brain and my body and all those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a choice anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I feel it in negative ways if I don't rest and nobody should have to feel that in order to do that. <laughs> and so yeah. now I talk to people like, Hey, I, I noticed you've been doing all these great things. Um, but you broke your foot like two weeks ago, right? Like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you all right? Are you resting? Are you giving your body time to rest? Not getting in your stuff, but I just want to make sure you're okay. <laughs> you know, or when I just, you know, I, I think that's a big part of it. We have to advocate and let people know it's okay. Cause you know what? Like, whatever crazy reason um parts of our brain still tells us that it's not okay like that we have to be doing something and I'm totally want to divorce I like I want to leave that in 2020 like if Mm -hmm. I can like I don't ever want to have this idea that like ah there's something else I should be doing I don't have time to sleep right now yeah because like most of the time I can convince myself that I do have time to sleep right now (laughs) (laughs) usually that conversation ends really quickly like no you're tripping like go ahead and lay down (laughs) (laughs) you know but I don't want to feel that like I shouldn't feel that I shouldn't feel this you know this guilt about rest as long you know as long it's like you know there's nothing on the stove or something yeah (laughs) I should be able to like just take a quick snooze or whatever and you know and 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 feel rejuvenated because sometimes that's all it takes (laughs) it's all it takes to have a new perspective that that totally is Uh, there was the best advice I I ever got in my entire life probably uh was back in high school I was out traveling with this group um, of other like juniors, upcoming seniors, uh, for like a church thing. I won't go into it more than that, but it was a church thing for the whole (laughs) summer. And, um, I was, I've always been like a real type A person and I was stressing out about something or other. And this, uh, leader person in like a leadership position for the group said something to the effect of like, Lucy, you know, sometimes the godliest thing you can do is to just go take a nap. Mm. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> that, that is what I, need I right like now. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I live my life by it. My kids know too. Like mommy just is going to go take a nap. <laughs> and like yeah. it is it, like nine times out of 10 when my life feels like it's spinning out, it's because I just need a little bit more sleep and, yeah. um, and, and rest really, you know, like whether or not I actually sleep, it's like, it's about that, like right. exhaling that, like letting go. Mm-hmm giving yourself permission to, to just be where you are, just be, and not have to constantly be productive, not have right. to, you know, meet everyone's expectations of you for in that moment. And I, I, we've said it a few times, but like people, if you are not following the, the NAP, N-A-P ministry on like Instagram and social media, then you are missing out because they, they have spoken to me on a deep level um, with their posts. And I think it's really important work to, to keep, to keep reminding people that like culture is going to tell you that you're no good unless you grind 24 right. seven. And that is a lie. Right. And you're not, and you're not a machine. Exactly. <laughs> exactly so So funny how we've automated everything about our lives and we all still feel like you know we have to you know be the machinery still oh yes (laughs) yes it's gross it's like it's funny but it's it's gross yeah you know and here's another interesting thing about me like I don't own a tv okay 
And so like, you know, a lot, a lot of what I consume about, you know, what's going on in the world, like I'm getting through like family members, like, cause, and they're always like, so baffled, like what? Oh, right. <laughs> you don't have a TV. You didn't hear about this. Oh, well, let me tell you. So like, I get like these interesting, like theatrical, like replays or whatever. <laughs> it's like the hot news, right. From a couple of different people. And like, I never feel like I need, like, I need, I don't need to watch it. Cause like, I hear it from all of these, all these these different folks and so it, it does though because I get to choose when I consume it that has uh helped me I feel like unplug in other kinds of ways like it's just it it, it was a freeing thing I, I haven't owned a tv in like I'd say like seven years now so wow. <laughs> yeah yeah and I mean it doesn't mean that I don't like look at lap you know we have a laptop and phones sure. and all that stuff but something about TV and news and not having that be like a part of a daily consumption that I do. Mm. Uh, I, I, you know, I, for, for folks who, you know, who I have to watch TV every day to find out what's going on. And, you know, my grandma's like that. She's like, I need to see the news so I can know what's going <laughs> on in the world. <laughs> right. Like I, I get it. I understand it, but I'm telling you like that unplug was one of the best things that I did for myself. Cause it allowed me, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm information for, you know, age friendly, right? Like I do all this digital stuff. So I stay aware, sure. but yeah, not having it just like, you know, be in my house and like, you know, these folks with these huge TVs is so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so weird, right? Like now, you know, no judgment, but it's just weird to say, oh, you've got this big TV in your house. That's like playing all the time and telling you what's going. It's, it's just, it's just strange because I haven't lived it in so long, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's interesting. I've been thinking a lot about this, especially in quarantine about how, and, and in the past four years with the politics in the world or in our country and stuff, like, um, I really fully believe that like the way that we overcome the anxiety of like what the world looks like on a larger scale Mm -hmm. right now is to Mm -hmm. focus on those like actual touch points that we have like in our day-to-day lives with real life people Mm -hmm. um, to to focus on like having conversations and and making connections and giving back to local like hyper local community like getting invested in that knowing your neighbors like all this like it makes me sound like I'm like 80 years old but I really believe that like that's what's kept me going when it right. feels- like how do we how do we survive moments like we're living through right now without there being some of that right yeah that, and I, I, mean, I I guess that's what the isolation you know is, is doing for some people and why they just don't want to be in anymore because maybe they don't have that <laughs> maybe yeah I mean yeah. honestly like my I I post on Facebook all the time about how much I love my block like my the, the, my neighbors are like the people that keep me afloat like we you know like whether it's like does anybody have uh you know a cup of sugar or like Mm -hmm. who who can help me put the window units the acs in because it's getting hot out or whatever you know like we we take care of each other and and i think that that's missing in a lot of people's lives because they Mm -hmm. are so plugged in all the time and they don't remember to look up and kind of readjust to the world around them yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, I, yeah, I see a lot of that. <laughs> I do. I do. So it's like, you know, I, I, I hope that I hope that people one, you know, sort of take it if they get anything out of it. It's like, one, take a nap. Right. And yes. the other thing is <laughs> unplug at some point in time, maybe not for a lifetime, but but definitely unplug from something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've got so much. There is something to unplug from and it will improve your life. <laughs> Absolutely. So Pari, um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I want to bring it back up because I always ask a specific question at the end of each episode. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really have too much time to talk about like how the age factor plays in, although we did talk about your career arc and how mm-hmm. that felt like a plot twist in itself. Yeah. But you're you're really stepping into this new phase of life right now. And it's exciting and there's a lot of opportunity. If you could go back and give some wisdom to your younger self, knowing what you know now and having these opportunities now. Um, what do you wish that you could tell your younger self? Ah, what would I tell my younger self? I would say, relax, go mm-hmm. take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and 
you know, really listen to that one thing, you know, uh, that you know to be true. And it's like, not, don't listen to what people tell you, you know, about what they believe. Like, just watch people's actions. Because I think a Mm. lot of times when I made some missteps and sort of the way that I connected with people over these years, it's been because I just didn't believe in uh, what the actions were showing me. So Mm. that might, that might've helped. Yeah. Yeah. You want to make excuses for people and say like, Oh, well, it was just this one time or whatever. Right. But yeah, that's good stuff. That's real good. Do you feel like you've uh, done a pretty good job of removing that, that stigma from your relationship with cannabis? at this point? You know, it's a, it's a work in progress, right? Like this is like, I've just now attached my name because I'm like writing articles and attached my face because I'm doing like all this stuff on social media. So like, yeah, I feel like I'm there, but, um, again, like right now it's still a hobby, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I, I would, I would like to, um, you know, you know, see what shakes out with the industry and see if there's a place for me, but if not, then, you know, I'll be doing something else. Sure. Yeah. that's what I do, right? Like, um, but the, you know, it'll always sort of, I'd say definitely it'll uh, have a stronger presence in my life for the benefit that it serves, you know, to my, you know, other people in my community that I've seen. And how has that been met by the people who are close to you? Do you feel like there's still some navigating those conversations around like, like, I don't know, do you talk to your family about it? Do you, like- I do. I do. I, you know, they are, they're, you know, very old school. And so I'm like, look, you know, my, my point is always like, I have short of, you know, all these little accidents that I might've been in, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've done pretty well for myself. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, if you are okay with the fact that I've been doing this and now you just know that this has played a role in it, then we're cool. So, you know, I don't, you know, tell them when I'm about to go light up or, or, or vaporize or anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, we don't have that kind of open relationship, but they know that I, I'm a patient. They've seen my card and I tell them, you know, this, this is what happens. And, <laughs> and it, it, it seems to work out. They're like, all right, do that over there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm cool with that. Right. Cause it really shouldn't be like this big thing. Right. I don't think I ever have to be somebody that um, has to at every turn sort of you know drop it but if you know the conversation arises I like to prevent you know provide a lot more information than the average person might have so well, sure I mean like I don't I don't have to walk around with a laundry list of all the like vitamins and medications that I have to take you know like right. how many people do you know like I have to take asthma medicine every day. I'm not walking around announcing that. Like that's not anybody's <laughs> business. Right. But like all of a sudden when you have like right. a medical marijuana card, it's like, oh, you're doing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, no, it's it's the same thing. We're we're taking care of our bodies. And that's like, right. don't you see? Like, I'm not just trying to like, and I that's that's the thing I wish a lot of people would start to understand. And it really has taken me some time to wrap my head around like somebody who has a medical marijuana card is not just looking for an excuse to goof around like it's it's a it's a it's a need that your body has like to be able Mm -hmm. to then thank goodness now there's an opportunity to be able to provide that relief that a lot of people didn't have for years and years and years yeah or they had something horrible like an opioid and we saw what that did and that it didn't do good things for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. What do you hope people walk away with? Um, just maybe other people who don't know a lot about the cannabis industry, like Mm -hmm. myself, what do you hope people walk away with from this interview? Like now kind of knowing something new, uh, that, uh, much larger percentages than you probably knew about are consuming cannabis and running the world. <laughs> so okay. it's okay. We got, we got you. <laughs> <It's> gonna, <laughs> no, you know, every, everybody is, you know, well aware, you know, people are not operating heavy machinery. Usually, mm-hmm. usually it's just, you know, uh, maintaining, you know, our personal health. So in all of the different careers and all the different creative things that are happening, not just like, you know, performance stuff and all the artistic things that you love, there's probably been some involvement with cannabis and, you know, now it's time to just know that that's happening, be okay with it and give people more um, freedom to 
do that and grace to like have that, you know, have some equitable uh, positivity where it was otherwise a negative thing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for that. That I feel like I've just like gotten a huge <laughs> education and I could tell that like we didn't even scratch the surface. So I'm excited yeah. to like do some more reading about this. Um, can people follow you? Do you have like, yeah, a- yeah. So, so I go by vape John, vape John, that's V A P J A W N. Um, that's the, that's the cannabis page. Um, <laughs> I, I go by my regular, <laughs> I have a regular name just for like all the other stuff that I do, um, under Pari flowers. So, you know, all of that stuff is all connected though. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, hit me up. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I, awesome. I, I'm not on Twitter. I can't handle Twitter right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair. <laughs> awesome. And people can hit you up to just like get that consultation. If Absolutely. Th- hit me up if you're interested in the Pennsylvania medical marijuana program or might want to get a card or be a caregiver. Um, and yeah. And if there's any other things that people want to know about virtual events and all that other creative stuff that I do, I'm just, I'm just out here creative consulting people. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much too. That was great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of midlife plot twists. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and show some extra love by leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on my website at lucybaberphotography.com or on Instagram at lucybaber. Thank you so much for joining me, and I can't wait to chat again soon. Until next time.